Welcome to episode 6 of the Seeking Eye Life Exploration podcast. This is a direct continuation from episode 3 in which I had a discussion with Joe Carpenter regarding his dream visitations and subsequent intuitive experiences. If you haven't yet listened to episode 3, I would recommend you do that as this episode is a direct continuation from that discussion. You can also find a video version of this podcast episode on our YouTube channel which will be linked in the podcast description for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and please enjoy part two of my discussion with Joe. A lot of these dreams that I have happen, um, it's kind of hard to put a time on them, but they seem like seconds compared to the one I had with my mother, which lasted, um, it seemed to me, maybe 45 minutes to an hour in human time. But again, when you're there, you do not sense any time. You don't, there's, it's, it's very strange, it's very hard to explain. Anyhow, so I go to sleep. Um, next thing I know, I'm traveling through a tunnel <laughs> made of light. It was almost like a roller coaster, but I was going at a very, very high rate of speed, like speed of light, speed. It was, it was incredible. I was completely calm. Um, I wasn't questioning at all what was going on. I knew where I was going and I know who I was going to see. And at the end of that ride, I came out to a place that resembled my mother's kitchen. My mother had a very, very small kitchen, although this one was more spacious, you know. So I go in, I sit down at the table and here comes my mother floats right in and she's wearing a gown that I can only describe is made of light. It was made of pure light. It was incredible to even look at. So I start talking to her telepathically very, very fast. I wanted to get in as much as I could before this ended. And she says to me, stop, slow yourself down. This is not going to be a very quick thing. We have plenty of what you call time. And I can't immediately calm down. And I said, okay, well, first of all, thank you for coming to see me because you remember when you were alive, right before you died, I asked you to come see me. And she says, I didn't come to see you. You came to see me. And... <laughs> I said, okay, well, if that's true, then do you remember when I told you I'd go see grandma and, and grandma would chase, why would she chase me away if I'm not supposed to be coming, you know, if I'm not supposed to be coming, I thought I wasn't supposed to be coming here or, or you know, that kind of thing. And, but, you know, and why is she chasing me away then? And she said, what, she goes, you know what your grandmother is doing. My grandmother is always reading to children. And, and I always got the sense that those children were, were they, they were passed on. They were children who died young. And my grandmother was taking care of them. So she said, you know what your grandmother's doing. She said, let me ask you this. And it's funny because my mother knows I don't go to church or anything like that. Um, she says, you wouldn't walk into church in the middle of mass and tug on a priest's robe and say, hey, buddy, how you doing? Would you do that? I said, of course not. She goes, well, that's what you're doing to your grandmother. 
and then I understood really I I it confirmed for me that what my grandmother was doing was very sacred in that she, I, I was thought that my grandmother was in maybe a higher level of heaven than maybe my grandfather was. Um, my grandmother was very much into the Virgin Mary, by the way. Um, but yeah, so, so she told, this is what she tells me about my grandmother. So, um, and I thought it was interesting that I, I referenced when she was alive and conversations we had about it. it was very interesting to me. So, um, oh, so I mentioned the gown. I said, Mom, that's some gown you're wearing. Um, are you going somewhere? And she goes, oh, I'm going to a banquet of the heavens tonight. And I said, oh, very interesting. I said, um, can I go with you? She goes, no, you can't. She says, but I can show you around a little bit if you want. I said, oh, absolutely. She goes, okay. Whoop. And that whole, um, we're not in a kitchen anymore. We're now in a, uh, it seemed like a very large room. And uh, I don't know, maybe a very big room, I guess. Um, and there were these tunnel entrances all along the walls. Now, again, everything to me was made of light. It wasn't like, you know, solid like we know here. Um, but there were all these tunnel, like the tunnel I went in on into my, you know, when I went to see my mother, there was all these tunnel entrances along the walls. And at each entrance, there was these larger, large entities, I guess, that were helping. There were all these souls in the room that were ready to come here to Earth, you know, to become human. Yeah, or, to be incarnated, uh, yeah. Yes. And they, that's, this is the place where they are. They were all excited to come. And I thought to myself, ha, you know, like, I thought to my, the thought came to mind that I, I told my mother that, you know, I believe we chose to come here. And we chose the life that, you know, that we're going to live. And right away, my mother speaking in my head. And it was, it was basic. The message was basically, yeah, very funny. Don't be a wise ass. Don't, don't say I told you so. You know? Right. Yeah. And she says to me, she says, can you believe that these souls here aren't just going to earth? They're going to many other places. And if you think about how large the universe is, I mean, you can't, it, it, it's just hard to, to comprehend in the first place. It didn't surprise me at all. I'm not surprised by anything like that. Um, so I was like, wow, that is very interesting. I kind of thought that anyway. Um, one of the weird things, though, is, and I could hear this larger entity soul who is guiding these um, other uh, spirits into physical yeah they were guiding them into the tunnels one of them said yeah like yeah, it, it's so hard to explain like I he said get like get a disease or something 
and I, I got very uneasy. I said, why, you know, well, the thought came to me, why would that, why would he say that? Why would or he, she, the entity say that? And my mother answered me right away. She said, listen, she said, everything that becomes physical has to die because they, the souls have to come back. That's really the only way to come back. So you have to, there has to be a way. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and, and like right away it made sense to me. So it didn't really bother me all that much after that. Um, but it was very, very interesting um, to see this place, you know. But um, I mean, it, it, what it amazed me was how excited, <laughs> it's how excited the spirits were to become incarnate again. Um, and I'm thinking, I can't wait to go back home, mm. you know? Kind of like you can't wait to go on vacation. If you're on vacation for two weeks, you can't wait to go back home, you know? Yeah, that's it's, right. You know, yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Mm. So um, I kind of felt that I was done seeing that. And the moment I thought that, boop, I'm right back into a place that was my mother's kitchen. Um, and I'm sitting there. We're sitting at the table. We're talking about some things. And I, I look over to my right, and my wife and my father was there. And I said to my mother, what are they doing here? And she says, I didn't put them there. You put them there for your own comfort, which is strange because, um, well, I was still at that moment. I was still very. I was still close with my father, only because my mother asked me to be before she died, not to leave him alone. Um, so I didn't think it was necessary for them to be there. So I just went. I went. Whoop, I waved my hand like that, and they were gone. It was really interesting. Um, man, I don't. I'm trying to think of what happened. Oh, okay. Sorry. I get a little, I've told this, I've, ri I've written this story so many times for so many different people. I always write it the same way, by the way. But, um, you know, anyway. So I kind of felt it was time for me to leave. And, and, and by the way, a lot of other things happen. It's just gone for now. They're gone for now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, there's so, like, physically, in my head, here, now, it, there's only so much my brain can hold, you know? Um, it is a fantastic place, though, it really is. So, anyway, I felt it was time to go. So, I got up, and I was walking over to this, the tunnel that I came in on. I was going back, I was walking back to, and my mother stopped me, and she said, now, by, by the way, at this point, I was back to work again. I work on trucks for a living. I'm a diesel mechanic. That's what I do. And um, I was back to work after my surgery. Um, this was uh, June. It was, yeah, it was June. Um, I was back to work every morning when I woke up. Uh, um, I was... I, 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 I wake up like I, my, my body feels like I'm crippled. You know what I mean? Um, so it took me, I used to have to get up a half an hour earlier than normal because it took me a while to get my body moving again. 
And right be so right before I, I went back into the tunnel, my mother stopped me and she says, um, hey, let me ask you, how is your back doing? And I said, Mom, every day I wake up earlier than normal. I said, I wake up, I'm, I'm half crippled. I got to walk around the house. I can't even walk when I wake up. Um, I have to, it takes a while to get myself moving again. And she says, well, not when you wake up. And she just got, she just grew. She grew really big and her arm, her arm went right down my back. And I guess her hand was on what would have been my butt, right? And she picks me up and throws me right into this tunnel that I came in on. And here I am, now I'm taking the whole ride back again. And I was going very fast, and I remember thinking, man, when I, when I get back into my body, this is going to, you know, like, I got to slow down here because it's going to really hurt when I slam back into my body. And at that moment, I realized when I bounce, when it seems like I bounce on the bed, at that moment, even before I even got back into my body, I realized that my soul that's doing the traveling and it's slamming back into my body is, is what it feels like. When I woke up, I didn't have that sensation anymore of slamming back into my body. It was just, there was no bounce. There was nothing. I woke up. I could not believe that I had a visit with my mother and I couldn't believe how long it was. I woke up, it was maybe 2.30 in the morning. My wife does, she's not really into this kind of thing. She supports me, but you know, but I didn't want to wake her up and wake her up at 2.30 in the morning. She'd probably be a little pissed off at me, you know? So I got up, I went into my bathroom and I was pinching myself, I was like, like a half an hour I was in there. I said, I, I can't believe this just happened. I was in awe, you know, it, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. So I finally went back to sleep. Um, Woke up at 5 a.m. and I was so excited still by what had happened. I jumped out of bed, got dressed. I had to be at work at 6 a.m. I don't, at the time, I wasn't working that far away. It was only a couple more miles away, but I just wanted to get out of the house and get moving. And I grabbed my keys. Going out to my car, and I stopped dead in my tracks. And I said, I have no pain. My body felt like I had electricity running through it, like tingly, for maybe three days after that incident. But at that time, like I felt I was, I, I did, I've had back surgery again since. But for quite a while after that, I had actually for four years after that, I had no problems at all with my back and my body. I felt great. It was unbelievable. I could not believe that that whole thing had happened. Um, I do now. So, um, yeah, that was very, that was a very interesting one. Um, but just so much, so many other things we talked about and, um, you know that it, 
and there were so many other things that went on, but like I said, I can't keep it all in my human brain. It's just too mm. much to, to too much to process all at once. Yeah. Um, last year, around this time last year, um, I saw my friend's father in a dream. Um, and actually, I saw my buddy recently. I've no, I have two friends I've known. One since I was. Um, in the second grade, which would have been 1973, I met. And another friend of mine I met maybe a couple of years after that who lived in my neighborhood. So we've all known each other. The three of us have known each other for a very, very long time. Um, and we get together maybe once to twice a year. Uh, my friend who I had a, uh, a dream about, his father, my buddy Todd, his, um, yeah, he lives a couple of states away. Um, he owns his own business. He's a truck driver. He owns his own tractor trailer. He does very well for himself. Um, but growing up, his he was never, ever good enough for his father. Anything he ever did was never good enough for his father. His father was very critical of him. Um, you know, so to give you a little background about, you know, that. So I go to sleep one night. Um, and remember, it was a Wednesday night. So I go to sleep. And I'm, I start dreaming that I'm on like one of those quad, like a four-wheeler quad thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a desert in Arizona somewhere. I've never been, but that's what it seemed like to me. And I'm following a group of people. And then right then, I, I said, wow, this is not... Like, I am very aware of what's going on. This is not a reg... And I'm riding this quad, and I'm thinking this. I'm like, this is not a regular dream because I'm way too aware of what's going on here. And I look over to my left, and I, I see a hill. And I said, oh, I have to go up that hill. I, I have to go up there. And I just did. Like, I had no cares or worries of who I was with. I didn't even know who I was with, but I just... And it wasn't, and the whole thing had nothing to do with me riding a quad. It was just, you know, I'd become aware at that point. So I go up there, and then there was a man and a woman up on the hill. So I shut the quad off, and this was very strange because usually I could see them like I could see you right now. Um, but I couldn't directly see these people although i knew they were there it's almost as if i was talking to somebody and looking at their feet like i know i'm talking to somebody but i don't I'm not 100 percent sure because i can't see them yeah so i said oh well i think i know who you are like i thought it was my friend's father but there was a woman with him who kind of, um, it's weird because I, I couldn't see them. I was aware, I was aware of this woman and don't ask me how, but she reminded me of my friend's Todd's mother. And I said to myself, well, it can't be his mother because his mother is still alive. So I'm like, who? Who am I, you know, what's going on here? And then right then, this is the first time I've ever seen, like, a symbol for anything. It was as if somebody put a screen, like a virtual reality screen, right in front of my face. 
and I saw a pair of bifocal glasses. Very specific bifocal glasses that my friend Todd's father wore. And I said, oh, okay. Like, I'm pretty sure this is uh, Todd's dad. And, and then another image of a Porsche 911 red from the early 70s. Um, I know that his father owned one. I've never seen a picture of it. Um, but I know that his father owned one when, when my buddy Todd was very young, his father owned one, but I've never seen the car and I've never seen a picture of it. So I, you know, I knew he had a red one, a red 911. So anyway, um, I said, okay, so Todd's dead. Okay. So I know it's you and he's, and then he spoke to me telepathically and he said, tell my son, I am very proud of the man he has become today. Okay. And that was that from him. And I wanted to know who is this woman that, that is with you? And all I heard was 20 years older. And that is, and that was that after that, the whole thing was over. So my buddy Todd, by the way, um, he's, he's skeptical, he's very skeptical on this kind of thing. Um, I go with my friend, Tony, we go out to Pennsylvania a couple states away to go see Todd, you know, once or twice a year. And my buddy Tony's really into this kind of thing. So we're always talking about it on the way. And the conversation always spills over when we get to Todd's house and Todd doesn't want to know. He's like, ah, I don't want to know your ghost stories and all this stuff. So the next day, I really wanted to tell Todd, but I didn't because he's such a skeptic. And for the whole day, I felt his father like pushing it. Yeah. Constantly got to tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him the whole day. And it's not like, ah, it's a feeling you get. It's not, you know, I'm not, and by the way, I never make a, I, I've never made claims on the medium, on my psychic, anything like that. And I still to this day don't. I, and although I told, I should put a label on it so I can understand it better. Um, anyhow, pushing me the whole day. So that night, Thursday night, and I know Todd goes to sleep early because he gets up very early. At 10 o'clock at night, I texted him, knowing that he's not going to answer me that night. So I saw your father last night. Friday morning, I dropped my daughter off at school. As soon as I dropped her off, my phone rings. It's my buddy Todd. Hey, what's going on? And he says, you have to tell me. Did my father say anything to you? And I said, oh, do you want to even know what happened? He goes, you got to tell me right now, right away, did my father say anything to you at all? I go, yes, he did. He told me, I said, look, I'm, I just call it as I see it, bud. And he, he just told me to tell you he's very proud of the man you have become today. And my buddy Todd was dead silent. Like, hey, are you? Are you there? Are you there? He said, you have just made me 
go from total skeptic to 100% believer. He said, do you know on Wednesday I was driving my truck and I thought to myself, I wonder if my father knows what I'm doing today. And most of all, I wonder if he's proud of me. He said, because do you know my whole entire life, my father never once told me he was proud of me. And you could hear in his voice, he, he you could hear it in his voice. He was almost like in tears. This is, yeah. this is a big burly biker guy with tattoos mm. all over the place. Big guy. He said, I'm so happy that you let me know this, that you gave me this message. He goes, because that's all I ever wanted to hear. He goes, and if it, if it took my father this long to tell me that he's proud of me, that's all I need to hear. And I'll be happy knowing that for the rest of my life. And I don't know, like, I know how I felt afterward. Like, well, I was still like, holy, you know, it still amazes me. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy yeah. crap, that was pretty cool. It's strange. Yeah, it never um, gets old. What? It never it ne gets Never old. gets old, no. No, it never, ever gets old. Um, but I turn him into a, I don't want to turn anybody into anything, but I, he, he went to total, as a matter of fact, I saw him um, a couple of weeks ago, he came to visit. And I said, so what do you think about that whole thing with your father? He said, I'm still happy about it. He said, I'm still a 100% believer at this point in my life. I hope you enjoyed this part of the discussion with Joe. There will be one more part to come, which will sum up most of Joe's experiences. Of course, not all of them, as he has said to me that he has had many, many throughout his life. Don't forget to have a look at the blog post for this episode, which is linked in this episode's description, which will be an analytical and sceptical view of Joe's experiences mentioned in this episode.